you know that there are some pretty simple communication mistakes that parents regularly make with their kiddos? It's true. And when you understand what these four mistakes are, you can turn them around and change the mood in your home. Knowing them might be really helpful in this holiday season. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Before we begin, I want to thank all of you that participated in the special that was offered to celebrate 100 episodes and Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Christmas coming up. So thank you. And I'm today I'm going to read a review. This review is five stars from MSB 1805. This person writes, I wish I had found you when my kids were little. I appreciate all the care and wisdom you give to us parents. My kids are a little older, but I'm still able to take a lot of this great information and help in my communication and relationships with them. Thank you for sharing your expertise to help us better meet the needs of our children. You're welcome. It warms my heart to hear every review. And listeners, if you have not yet left a review, I ask you to head on over to Apple Podcast and scroll down to the little purple letters that say, Write a Review, and I will surely appreciate it. All right, parents, I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're talking about the top four communication mistakes that parents tend to make. I get this list from the parents that I work with. This is just a very, very common thing that I see, I saw when I was working in the classroom. I see now when I'm working with parents. I have experienced it myself, and I suspect you probably have too. So here they are. First, Parents tend to think that kids think like they think. Because after our kids get to be maybe two, three, four, five years old, somewhere in there, we start to think of them as little adults. They are so not little adults. Their brain is so not mature. And when we think that they think like we think, here's what it looks like. 
Well, little Johnny's laying on the floor in a temper tantrum. Man, if I did that, I would feel terrible. He must feel terrible. Nope, doesn't work like that. Little Susie is walking in a store, and she takes something off of her shelf, a candy bar, and she puts it in her pocket. Well, if I did that, I call it stealing. So Susie must be stealing. No, that's not the way she thinks. Here's a third one. Little Billy hits Joey. So we think, oh, Billy must be mad at Joey, or he's aggressive. Nope, not necessarily. Children's immature brain does necessarily mean that when they do things, they don't think like we think. So let's look at the examples. In the first example, we talk about a temper tantrum. Now, it could be an expending of energy. We as adults, we have other options for how we're going to expend our energy. With little ones, they just throw it out there. Maybe your youngster is angry, and they don't have other ways to express their anger yet. Their vocabulary and their self-control, their self-regulation isn't matured yet. So what they have accessible to them is the way that they do it. A temper tantrum does not mean that they are in the emotional pain that you might be in if you flung yourself on the floor and thrashed about. In the second example, maybe Susie had not been in stores before. Maybe Susie didn't know that you can't just take things off the shelf and open them and eat them or put them in your pocket. And even if she does know, I want it is strong enough and legitimate enough reason in a young child's mind. They don't think about a store owner losing money. They don't think about theft the way we think about theft. It's not in the arena. It's something we need to talk to them about and help them learn over time. And in the third example, we've got one child hitting another child. And depending on the age of the child, they don't necessarily know the impact of their own physical actions on another person. Just the other day, I saw a youngster um, walking around with his legs spread wide and his hands in claws like he was a Tyrannosaurus. And he came up to a child and he put his fingers about an inch away from the child and then, like, hit would be the word that I would use, that other child with his claw, he said. Claw. Claw. Now, that little child was being a Tyrannosaurus Rex. There was not aggression. There was not anger. Yet at the same time, the mom came in and said, he's hit. Why is he hitting? And that's what we'll say when we think our children think like we think. But I guarantee they do not. The second mistake that I see parents regularly make is when they come at their kids, like with the examples I just gave, the approach that they use is more accusatory. When we have an accusing tone, our children tend to shrink back. If we come at them with the answer and we're blaming and we've chosen their motive, then our children tend to withdraw. They become scared. They might lie because lying is something that kids do when they get scared. But we'll have to deal with that one on a different episode. 
No, the way to approach the kiddos when these kind of behaviors are going on would be with a calm curiosity. So in the first case, if we were to have calm curiosity while we watch the temper tantrum, we won't yell back. We won't instruct during a temper tantrum. We will not tell the child, go to your room. No, rather, you will let the tantrum run its course, and when he comes back, you will be ready to receive. And you will say, wow, that looked like it was really hard. Are you okay now? And if the temper tantrum was over a popsicle, you might say something like, I can see you really want a popsicle. You get one after dinner. And then maybe he'll go have another temper tantrum. And if that's the case, you allow him to do it again. And when he comes back, you have a similar approach. For more on temper tantrums, see episode 36 or look in the show notes where I'll have it listed. The third mistake that I see parents make regularly is taking personally the choices that that little immature brain makes. It's not about you. It is about them. They don't have capacity to really think well outside of themselves. Even in the teen years, they're not thinking that far outside of themselves, not regularly, because their brain is not developed. So when we are taking it personally, we are very self-focused. We're thinking about how we feel. And that is an immature way to use our brain which we all do sometimes, but as we grow past that, we give our kids examples on how to do that. And it takes many years. So don't waste your energy taking what they say and do as if it's about you. Because it isn't. Even when they say hurtful things, it isn't. That would be an inability for them to process what they're thinking and regulate their emotions. And the fourth mistake that I regularly see is prioritizing skills, whether it's academic skills or work skills, over play. Play skills are your social pieces and your foundational pieces to learn human interactions, like we were just talking about, and the foundational skills to learn everything else. Because again, if we get in the mindset of play, we open our mind to be able to learn the academics and all the other skills as well. And we can learn quicker. And it's more fun when they learn it. Prioritizing those skills over the skills of play is a common mistake. I am not saying that the academic and work skills are not important. What I am saying is that when we learn to play our way through them, all the skills come better. If we prioritize the academic and the work, it can come, but it'll take longer, and sometimes our kids get stymied along the way. Developing self-limiting beliefs and many other issues that come from not allowing play to continue. So if you've got academic and other work skills to teach your kiddos, fabulous. Do it through play. Then everybody wins. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? 
I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.